0: Welcome to The Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Kat. And I'm Jess. And today we'll be discussing Rafe a, by Rebecca Weatherspoon. A buff
1: male nanny. Oh
0: yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> but before we get started, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. We'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at the Pod and on Twitter at Pod. You'll find those links as well as the link in our blog and email address in the show notes. Now, to the book. Uh, this book is another
1: important read for us, right? Yeah. Okay. This is another author that I'm going to be um, on the panel with. So, Christina Lauren and Rebecca Weatherspoon are on my panel. Yep, so that'll be two down. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, this is a newer release. Um, by, yeah, about a year and a half or so, because this came out in 2018.
0: Yeah, so we, I mean, we do
1: some, like, really old ones,
0: and we're kind of gearing up to do some even
1: older ones. Girl, are we. So, so
0: I guess that's, like, a relative thing more than anything else, but that's okay.
1: But you know what? I kind of like doing the older ones as opposed to, like, the brand spanking new ones all the time, because it's kind of perspective. I mean, we get to read those really old ones not even really old still a couple of them that we read were only a few years old yeah we get that's to, true uh, we get to read those and then we
0: like what the fuck and we're like what was happening then and they're like mm, doesn't matter it's still
1: weird we'll wait until we get to april and we read my bad book your bad book was like published in 1984 or something like that yeah it's pretty old mine was published at the height of 50 shades of gray Oh, no. That explains the cover. (laughs) It explains the cover a lot, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, God, I'm scared. Anyways, we're here mostly to talk about Rafe, Mm -hmm. the buff male nanny. Mm -hmm. And we both seem to enjoy it. It was a really quick read. It was, because it's only 259 pages on the Kindle. I looked at, like, where I was in the book, and I was like, how am I in chapter 17? Like, how are there 17 chapters? But there were.
1: I 100% read this in line at the bank, at the post office, in my office, places I wasn't allowed to read. You know, just um, getting it done. Rebecca Weatherspoon, if you ever listen to this, I want you to know that one of your very explicit sex scenes in this book was being read in line at the bank because someone was standing too close to me and I definitely upped the, uh, the font size so they could read it. That's so kind of you. And step away. An explicit sex scene. <laughs> you know
0: what, though? The, the sex scenes in this
1: were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, shout out to her for writing some bomb-ass sex scenes. We've read some that are not good. Um, I would like to preface this by saying that we're literally in a blanket fort right now, and I cannot see Kat.
0: I think it's bugging you way more than
1: it's bugging me. <laughs> I'm being crushed by a blanket because so, I'm taller than you.
0: <laughs> so, this came... I
1: know, I'm sorry.
0: But this came around because uh, we're having like sound quality issues now that Jess has different flooring in her apartment i don't have carpet <laughs> and so the That's echoey like cool. i don't the sounds in i don't know
1: the sounds are reverberating it's just
0: bad yeah
1: they're reverberating weird so we hooked up ourselves in a blanket it. i'm gonna post a picture of it on instagram because i definitely took a picture of it which is s- wonderful yeah we're sitting on the floor um there's blankets tacked up i'm 34 years old and i don't know that i've ever been good at building blanket forts and... which is
0: clear by the <laughs> amount of work that was done when i arrived
1: <laughs> which sounds rude but is completely fair i, I would promise. like you to know kat this is like the fourth iteration of this
0: see that's not good
1: no i'm terrible at <laughs> if this. this is the best version thank you kat. we don't talk uh, about it so hopefully the audio will be better Fingers crossed. But um, should we read the uh, synopsis here? Yeah, I definitely think we should. All right. So the synopsis for a Rafe, a buff male nanny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. All Dr. Sloan Copeland needed was someone to watch her kids. What she found was the man of her dreams. Where After a nasty divorce and a thousand mile move, Dr. Sloan Copeland and her twin daughters are finally getting the hang of their life in Lo- their new life in Los Angeles. When their live-in nanny bails with no warning, Sloane is left scrambling to find a competent caretaker to wrangle her smart, sensitive girls. Nothing less will do. Enter Rafe Whitcomb. He's all of those things, not to mention good-natured and one heck of a whiz in the kitchen. He's also tall and handsome and bearded and ripped and tatted, wrist to neck. It doesn't take long for the Copelands to invite Rafe into their home. Just as quickly, both Sloane and Rafe find themselves succumbing to a heady, mutual attraction— Neither of them wants to deny. With every minute they spend under the same roof, this working mom can't help but wonder if Rafe can handle all her needs. Oh, yeah, he can. I'm sorry, did you say heady? I did. (laughs) It's heady. I realized that about halfway through saying it, and then went, we're already fucking here, go for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway.
1: Listen, don't knock this. I'm frustrated because I'm literally being crushed by this blanket. (laughs) Okay, you are not being crushed. Which I suffocate. Um, So I want you to know that there's a starred section um, underneath this that says the standalone romance is fluffy. So fluffy. It's fluff. Low, angst, fluff. Featuring a large, tatted, motorcycle-riding ginger man who bakes a mean bacon quiche and knows exactly how to wrangle clever six-year-olds while making their mom feel loved, loved, loved. Dude, that's, like, accurate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say that's 100% accurate.
1: That was 100% accurate. It was really good, though. Yeah, I really liked it. I really had, I had fun with it. Um, Like I said, I was reading it in places that were not places that you would read these kind of books.
0: Yeah, I thought I would take it to work to finish while I had some, like, lunch or downtime or whatever. And <laughs> then I realized that that was a terrible idea. Oh, my God. And I was you... like, I don't want to deal
1: with this. You would have been reading some real explicit shit. I don't need In to, a school, yeah, I don't need to deal with that. That's already weird. I'm super not down for it. You've already had a weird, really weird experiences know. there, anyway. So let's not add to it. Oh my god! Just this past week has been terrible. Oh, I
0: know. We're gonna have a chat about that it's later. Lovely. Um, so I added something to our list. Okay. Because when you started reading about Tess, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like we're gonna have to talk about being irresponsible adults, both other people's children,
1: oh, and my
0: how god. like scary that can. be. Be and how? Scary, I guess
1: scary more for the parent. Yeah. So than the hired help. This opens up. Um, Sloane comes home and her daughters, Avery and Addison. Yes, I thought it was Addison, but my brain wasn't supplying it. Yeah. It, but it supplied Avery. I don't know. So Avery and <laughs> Addison are six years old, and they're at home. And Sloane comes home fairly late. I mean, it's it's dinner time by the she, time she, she gets She's a home. surgeon. She's got a badass lady job. Yeah. And she comes home to find these two six-year-olds are just chilling watching TV and eating Eating grapes. grapes. Yeah. And there's no caretaker in sight. And when she asks, you know, one of the twins what happened, they say she left. She put her stuff in the car and went away. And uh, she gets this text that says, I'm sorry, I can't do it anymore. And she just leaves. And so these six-year-olds were at home presumably for like four hours or something like that. Yeah. That's a fucking long time. For six-year-olds. I didn't even want to leave my, like, 11-year-old alone (laughs) for two hours. Two hours was too much, in my opinion. So as a parent, as a single parent who's had to rely on people to take care of her child, I can tell you 100% that that fear is all-consuming. Like, what could have happened to my child while there was no one home? That's terrifying. And luckily these
0: two girls are, like, super smart and really aware mm-hmm. of what the rules are in the house and and that they know they aren't supposed to be home alone, but they're also like, we couldn't call you because we knew you are at work and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not a normal six-year-old thing, I don't think.
1: No, shout out to Sloan for raising her children, right? Because I can tell you that at 10, my daughter, she, I love her dearly, but she wasn't smart enough to stay home alone for the most part. But uh, I don't
0: think most kids are, honestly. I mean, I work with kids, and they do some really dumb things. And I'm like,
1: but why did you do that? Because kids do dumb shit. They I do. Mean, I don't. really, really do. We taught. I mean, we taught my daughter how to use the microwave because she liked to make quesadillas. So she'd make quesadillas in the microwave because they were easy. But we never showed her how to use the stove. Like, she had to wait until she was much older to do that. She wasn't allowed to use it when she was home alone. So, I mean, there are ways around... Making sure your child is safe. But it's still still terrifying. These are six-year-olds. They're not even, like, in kindergarten yet.
0: They're about to be, though. Yeah, but But anyways, Tess was, like... The worst? Yeah. Like, you can't just... First of all, you can't just leave children alone. No. That's not a thing. Nope. I... I mean, I don't even leave my kids in my classroom unsupervised for more than, like, 25 seconds at a time. And they're, like, what, 12 and 13? Yeah. (laughs) And so I, like, leave my door open, and I'm like, okay, I have to go talk to my my neighboring teacher. You all stay in here.
1: Don't move. But Don't it,
0: blink. But, you know, I, I nannied a little bit. You did? Not full time. Nope. But, like, after my, my regular job, I'd go pick up a precious tiny baby and play with him for a few hours. Oh, he's not ba- a little baby anymore. I know. God, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, But there was never a time when I was like, mm, I could just leave him, like... I didn't even want to leave him upstairs or downstairs or, you know, and he couldn't even, like, move. He was so little because <laughs> he was only, like, four months old when I started being a nanny for him. And there was just no way that I was going to, like, leave him unsupervised. So I'd be, like, in the kitchen making his bottle where I could see him. <laughs> like,
1: You know what, though? Like, I was married when my daughter was young, and even then I wouldn't – I wouldn't have left her alone. Like, I had a really hard time. Like, and we only had, like, a tiny apartment. But, like, if I was making her a bottle or something and she was in the living room, I would make sure that, like, I could see her or I would take her with me.
0: Yeah. And that's hard sometimes. But for this nanny in the book, Tess, it sounded like it was just overwhelming for her for some reason. And I could understand that, too, because with it's multiple kids, it's a lot different than just one child.
1: But yeah. But that doesn't make
0: it okay. And especially not giving any warning to the parent
1: well and tess was a live-in nanny she had a a home there i mean she had her bedroom and she had a vehicle
0: car yeah i just i don't understand that at all and she had the girls like she asked them to lie to her mom to their mom i I don't understand that either
1: yeah if anybody asks my child to lie to me first off just know that she's not going to do that because she's smart And she doesn't fuck around.
0: (laughs) When I taught little ones, I always told them, if someone asks you to lie, that means you're probably not supposed to be doing it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I think my daughter is pretty well adjusted and she knows, but she also tells me literally everything. Right. Which is a weird thing as an adult with a child who is now a teenager to just be told everything that happens in this child's life. It's bizarre, but that's beside the point. Um, Yeah, I didn't like Tess. I didn't like Tess at all.
0: But that's okay, because, like, she wasn't, you know, present for most of the book. It was just that very beginning. She was just, she really sucked. She did. She was clearly not ready to be responsible for children. Thank God she got out when she did. Yeah, but she also didn't consider how it was going to affect those kids. No. And kids take that stuff really personally. They do. And they're like, well, why don't you like us anymore? And that's just, that's a thing. And yeah. I feel like if you're young and you're inexperienced and you're just not down for doing the
1: kid thing, then you shouldn't do it. That's why I could never be a teacher. Because I don't like children. <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. I And I understand it. and But I respect anybody who can work with kids like that. Like, with you being a teacher, you have no idea how much respect I have. Mad respect. <laughs> because I don't know how the fuck you do it.
0: It's just... You always feel like you've had a long day, no matter what day it is. <laughs> it's Sunday, and I've it's had like, a long day. I just need to not talk about work. But then you have to talk about work. It's awful. And, like, having teacher friends, all you ever talk about is students, and it's Ugh. horrible. So, like, if I go out with any of my teacher friends from work, I'm like, listen, no more, no more school talk. For the next like four hours, we're not doing this. That's like
1: so much. That's like my business. I work in self-storage and when I'm with my storage friends, we talk about our customers for like an hour. That's pretty much all we allot, and then we're done. Yeah. And I think you need to talk about your job with people that understand
0: what you're going through. Yeah. Because I don't understand some of the frustrations other people understand in their field of expertise. But, like, I can associate with, like, the customer service aspect of your Mm -hmm. job because I did that for seven years and it was not fun and I understand how people can be kind of assholes, right? Yeah. But, like... We have friends who work with like machine shops and stuff, and they're talking about like this machine broke. i are like,
1: listen, I'm just mad when my projector doesn't work. I can't,
0: <laughs> I can't relate to you, and I'm sorry, but like, I feel your pain for being frustrated.
1: Well, it's like I can, I do the same thing where I'm like, I feel your pain. My printer refused to print something the other day, and then when it did, it printed 900 pages of oh gibberish. My God,
0: yes, why? I don't understand. The computers are always fucking broken. Um, but that reminds me of like yesterday. One of our friends was telling me he was. At work, and his job was babysitting, which means he had new guys or whatever. Yeah, And that they were doing something, and one of the guys was like, oh, shit. He's like, what'd you do? And he's like, I wanted to see how sharp my knife was.
1: No. And he was
0: like, what did you do? And he comes around to see, and this dude had straight up taken his knife for work, you know. Yeah. Because they, like, do construction stuff. Yeah. And he cut across the palm of his gloved hand, and it cut through it and cut his hand open. Please tell me it wasn't his first day. I don't know. This was his first day, but I know that our friend was not happy at all. That is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in and my why entire life. across your palm.
1: Cut a sheet of can't paper like just, a normal person. Can you just trust that your knife is sharp? Like this it's is, yours. Did you sharpen it? This is a knife. It's sharp. Cool.
0: It was just, but that's that's the kind of stuff that we deal with.
1: You know. Yeah.
0: You just look at people and go, "Why? Why would you do this? And the, it,
1: ugh, why? sheer amount of stupidity. It's insane. Okay, back to the book. <sighs> What's next on our list? We talked about how Tess is terrible. Gosh. Should well. we lead that into, though? Let's lead, lead Tess Tess's being terrible into um, Sloane's hunt for a nanny and how she goes about meeting Rafe. So Sloane is new
0: to the area, relatively mm-hmm. new. And she luckily has a friend who she's known for a while, who's a teacher at the school where her kids will be going to. Zenny. Yeah. And so they're going to help her and they have all these people and recommendations and they're trying to set up with an agency and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this dude becomes available and he's got great references and he's been doing this for years and he's normally a live-in nanny, but his family's moving to Australia and he doesn't want to. He's like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And so they meet at a McDonald's, which I think is great because she's a doctor. <laughs> and, um, and she ends up, like, kind of hiring him on somewhat of a trial basis at first until he gets to know the girls. Yeah. And then the girls just, like, fall in love with him.
1: Okay, but can we talk about him? Because I fell in love with him, too. Does he exist?
0: Like, how do we find this person? Because...
1: Can we dream him into existence? Like, a tall, ginger-bearded man who's tattooed from wrist to neck. (laughs) And wants to bake cookies. Oh, my God. (laughs) And takes your car to get detailed on his first day. And brings his mom over
0: to visit. And his mom is amazing. So, Rafe, Raphael, Mm -hmm. is huge. Yep. He's from the East Coast, Mm -hmm. outside of Boston. Boston. So, I was trying to remember, like... How that would sound because he had lost a lot of his accent, so it's like a weird light Boston accent.
1: He would and sound like, like drunk Chris Evans. Maybe. <laughs> no, that's exactly
0: what it would be. No, I don't know. I just, because he lived away from Boston for so long, or out of Massachusetts. Well, like Chris Evans, you don't hear his accent unless he's drunk. But like, how heavy is the accent? That's my point, Jessica. It's not that
1: heavy, actually. In fact, that no, I'm talking about
0: Rafe, not Chris Evans. I, I know what he sounds like.
1: I don't think his would be that heavy. I think it'd be a little lighter. He had moved when he was a young like teenager. He definitely wouldn't be talking about Smart No,
0: that's that's a little different. <laughs> and the Ghost Cat. But um, but yeah, so we've got this huge like hulking ginger dude with a slight Boston accent, tatted. Ooh, he's so tatted. Yeah. Which is not like a requirement for me to enjoy looking at you, but it's also not like detrimental. <laughs>
1: it's not hindering anything <laughs> I like about you. I'm still gonna look at you.
0: I d- but I also uh, I'm so weird about tattoos because I really like tattoos and I think they're really cool. But if they freak me out, I don't like them. Like, well, like I can't I can't handle them. It can't
1: be like a weird skull like riding a motorcycle. Why do you think that's too sexual?
0: I don't understand people that get dicks tattooed on them.
1: Wait, wait. what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but why would you do that? I don't know. People do that. Oh, the people who get vaginas tattooed to them as well. And I'm like, but why? There are
0: just some things that are, like, not great options. I... they are permanent, and that would
1: be one of them. Okay, but you've seen the flower on the back of my neck and how that one petal looks like a dick.
0: Yeah, I don't have any dick-shaped tattoos that I'm
1: aware of. Be thankful, because I get hit in the head a lot. <laughs> When people see it, they think no, I got a penis no. tattooed to the back of my neck. And I'm like, it's a fucking flower. I, I don't promise. Yeah, don't do it. I don't want that at all. It's not fun.
0: Um, but yeah, he's essentially, for what we're taught growing up, he isn't someone who looks like he would be a nanny. No. He looks like he'd be a biker. And he would, like, work in a tattoo shop. And he would, yeah. like,
1: fuck shit up on the weekends. Definitely. And, and um...
0: He's not that person. No, he works with children. Yeah. And he talks about how he got in trouble, like, once when he was younger and he went to juvie and that was, like, it. Like, he never got in trouble again. Well,
1: but that's because he had a really good role model when he came out. So his mother died when he was young and his dad couldn't cope. And so he moved him from Boston over to, like, California or whatever. Yeah. And um, in doing so, you know, that's when Rafe met this other kid and they got into this trouble. They ended up going to juvie. And when he gets out of juvie, his dad's got this new girl. And she's like, listen, to be a part of my family, you got to knock your shit off. You have one of two paths to take. And if you want to be a part of this family, you'd better take the right one. And she kind of puts him in his place and tells him, like, you can't do shit like this. This isn't going to work for you. And then she ends up marrying his dad and they have children together. And that's kind of how Rafe realizes he's good with kids. He starts watching his younger sisters at this point. Yeah. So, like. That was, that was cool because normally these, you know, kids get out of juvie and they stay on that course and they don't get off that course, but he had an option. He had someone who was in his corner for him. And not only that, but she
0: gave him the options of get rid of your dumbass friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Or your dumbass friends comes with you.
0: Or good luck. And she had it set up so that not just, like, her parenting style was what helped him, but his... New extended family, too. Yeah. They were like, listen, we'll set you up, but you can't mess around. Like, we'll yeah. set you up to learn how to take over the shop and work on cars and all this stuff. Or, you know, whatever. And that was, like, a huge motivator for him mm-hmm. to not fuck up so much. And yeah. that's really important because some kids don't react well to that. Like, you tell them to, sh- you know, knock their shit off and get it, it together. They have to do the time in jail. They have to go through... Like, the addiction or, you know, whatever it is. Like, they are just not willing to to try the straight and narrow. Yeah. Because they're just
1: surrounded by other people who aren't. Well, and I think that he, not only himself, but his one friend that helped him get into the trouble. Um, they both had a really good opportunity with Rafe's stepmom. Was her name Monique? Monica. Monica. Was, I knew it was with an M. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a really good opportunity with Monica where she sat them down and she was like, listen, we'll give you the help. And, like, we're here for you, but you have to, like, stay on the straight and narrow. And if you don't, we're done. You literally just said it. I know, but, like, just the idea, like, can you imagine if someone had told you that when you were having a rough time? Because, like, not on very many kids get that these days.
0: I'm not so much an ultimatum person. No? No, not even with, like, my students. I'm like, you gotta knock it off. Because your two options are this and this. But I'm not an ultimatum person in my personal life or in my professional life. Where, like, you do this or else kind of stuff mm-hmm. doesn't – I don't find that that works.
1: No, I don't with think With most it...
0: teenagers. Not
1: not with teenagers, but that's because teenagers are hormone-ridden and they don't know what they're doing half the time anyway.
0: Well, and a lot of my kids think that they're really badass. Um but they're not. No, they're like 12 and so and when they get in trouble for things, they're really, really upset. And I'm like, well, then don't do that thing. <laughs> like, right. There's a really easy fix, guys.
1: That's like, did your dad ever tell you when you were a kid, like, you'd hurt yourself and you go, ow. And he goes, well, don't do that again. Did your dad ever say anything like that? Or is it just Probably, mine? I don't know. That's like that's that would be the equivalent of well, don't do it again, you dumbass. Yeah,
0: like you learned, right? Yeah. So next time, make a different choice, and they're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah,
1: I don't know. I I don't know. I liked his backstory. I think it gave him some edge without him being like the most soft thing that's ever existed in the in the world. But at the same time, he is probably the most soft thing that's ever existed in the world.
0: Yeah, he's like what a cinnamon roll or whatever.
1: He is totally a cinnamon roll. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, what else is on that list?
0: Um, well, we already kind of touched on this, but we've got um men and how they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And she talked about this a couple times about how like the men treat each other in a very different way mm-hmm. when they, especially because Drew, her ex-husband, who's terrible, Ew. is trying to size up Rafe and be like, "What's this dude really about?" And clearly, Rafe is intimidating we already yeah. know that outwardly he's intimidating but he's intimidating to this guy who's like a hotshot surgeon mm-hmm. and drew like loses his shit towards the end and he's yelled at his daughters and he storms through security at the airport and tries to punch him and stuff and it's just a mess but the way that men interact with each other in this book i feel is like pretty accurate to a lot of a lot of the ways that ju- just dudes act toward each other it's so weird like, the weird trying to shake your hand too hard. Oh, whatever. Or, you know, just trying to be too tough. And it's really strange because I don't feel like our friends are like that, our male friends. Well,
1: first off, our male friends hug us when they see us.
0: Yeah. And when they see each other, they do the head nod.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, something.
0: like, that's a classic, right? Yeah. But just, I've also been around those kinds of dudes that are, like, too testosterone Um Yeah, they're and usually the ones in the gym. Yeah. And, like, they're still cool dudes. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not part of it. But just the way that they treat one another is more trying to figure out who's dominant. Yeah. Whereas our friends don't necessarily do that. And, like, I always talk about um, my brother-in-law. Uh-huh. Because he's, like, he's in the military and he's, like, this natural leader. But I have never, ever seen him, like, yell at anyone or be like super angry. Like I've seen him super annoyed. Can he be angry? Yeah, now? he can. Just <laughs> I've never witnessed it. Because, because I'm not there. Like
1: He is he would be the epitome of what a cinnamon roll is as well. Yeah.
0: Like I feel like most of our friends would be, but he a hundred percent would be. And just trying to imagine him angry is just so difficult for me. I can't see it. No, and I mean it's the same thing with his brother and with their friends. Uh-huh. Like they're not those... They, they still do stupid shit. Like, they're all terrible at
1: hitting on women. Oh, they're so and, bad.
0: But they don't do the other stuff, like trying to drink each other on, under the table.
1: Because they're smarter they than to drink that. drink me under the table, but that's not hard. Okay. You could take a sip of wine and be tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we're being fair. Me and uh, my sister
0: were reminiscing about last 4th of July. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I was like... I don't know why y'all thought it was a good idea to let me split a bottle of Fireball with Kenny. And they're like, they're like, we didn't tell you to. I was like, you didn't
1: stop me. <laughs> so, um, you, a time. you also have the issue of being slightly allergic to most alcohols, so it doesn't help. Yeah, I have all. to
0: have, like, super processed alcohols. Yeah. So, like, clear alcohols. Yeah. So And Fireball is not <laughs> that. That is not one. I was like, it's probably good. I was a little a little drunk. But the parts of the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh she I think she did a really good job of depicting what like the machismo is like in actual male relationships looks well, like. Well, we
0: have this huge contrast of what masculinity should look like. Yeah. Which is just being comfortable with yourself as a male human and accepting that, hey, maybe you're good at things like fixing cars, or maybe you're good at things like baking cookies, or both. Like, there's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. And then we had the toxic masculinity, which would be Drew. Oh, 100% Drew. Who's just, like, telling her, telling Sloane, you need to move back, this is going to be better for you and the girls – we can get back together which fuck you and oh my god he's 15 years her senior which freaked me the fuck out like my ex boyfriend i talked about how this is weird and i don't dig the huge age gaps and i think
1: it's too much you you you're aware my ex boyfriend is like 13 years older than yeah me, right? yeah yeah it's weird <laughs> cuz what are you going to talk about um nothing because See, we that's don't talk at point. all now <laughs> we don't talk at all um it's, it's
0: just weird but but we have that very like glaring comparison yeah when we look at these two men and it's not that Drew is incapable of being a sensitive person it's that he chooses to let his anger rule him and like everything's a pissing contest
1: he's just really gross in that yeah, in that, that too. he's in that you know he's older than Sloane and he takes that that age difference into um I want. To, I don't know. What, how do I want to word that? He like takes advantage of. it. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He takes advantage of the age difference. Um, Definitely. Like he gaslights her all the time. Oh God.
0: He's kind of making it like the only reason she's worth anything in the medical world is because he's a good surgeon and he like taught her stuff. I don't. Okay, but just so stupid. She was
1: a child prodigy, and she's really fucking good at her job. So fuck you, Drew.
0: Yeah. Just whatever.
1: We don't like him, we obviously. Don't like him.
0: But he—he he just really makes bad choices, and it's one of those other things where if you don't want kids, or if you're only having kids to keep someone with you, you probably shouldn't be having kids.
1: It's, yeah, no. Because
0: that seems like that was part of the issue. Because he had cheated on Sloane,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then the woman that he had cheated with felt awful about it and gave Sloane all the information.
1: Which go her, like. Way to be. Like, yeah. at least you said something. Still, you're a terrible person. Though. Yeah, don't cheat on people, please. Just don't fucking do just it. Just don't do it. It's rude. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> I, was, I was cheated on it. It's not fun, but whatever. It's just weird to, like,
0: think this is a good idea. It's not. It's just not. But, so we have all of these other people who are kind of outside the little family that Sloan has created. hmm And some of them, like Drew, are awful. And mm-hmm. she, at the end, you know, makes it... So that he has very limited contact oh, she, with his daughters. She was she, so badass. At she the did, end. you know, whatever she needed to do, and that's totally fine. But then she has all these new people coming in, like Zenny and um, and Rafe and his family, and they're all wonderful people. Oh my god, I love Rafe's family. They're so fun. They are
1: so fun. They're so fun, and I think
0: it's interesting too, just the way her. The way her view of herself is mm-hmm. is so much different because you would think that if you were a child prodigy, you'd be like, "I'm hot shit," but she's just so normal, and I think that's part of why she loves Rafe's family so much
1: because they they treat her like she's normal. They don't treat yeah. her any differently. And Not I mean, at first, though. No, because his little it's just sister start, like
0: freaking out.
1: She, you don't understand. That's
0: Copeland. That's
1: Copeland. Like, well, oh and God. I think I think too. What I really liked about this is that. She was raised by her mother, and her mother took her to literally every single class. Yeah. All of her college classes, because she was, like, 10 or some shit like that when she was starting to take college classes. Like, she is insanely smart. And she had that really sheltered life where she wasn't allowed to really do anything. Like, she had her first crush when she was taking one of her college courses at, like, age 11 or whatever. And the guy's, like, way older than Way her. older. And her mm-hmm. mom had to have a talk with her about it, and that kind of changed her perspective on on how she was different you know she was she was a lot different than everybody else yeah she was as smart as them but she was a lot younger so she had a hard time with that but it was interesting to see the family dynamic compared to the way she was growing up and i think she had a chance to kind of see what a family should actually look like and what that inner workings look like and then she also had the opportunity to understand that families aren't always blood you know you have the option of a found family which is what she built for herself
0: Right, especially because moving away instead of going back mm-hmm. to where your family is, because her family is on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and then she had been in Oregon, and now she's in California.
1: Mm-hmm. and Oregon? I thought she was in Washington. I don't know. The Pacific Oregon. Northwest.
0: I thought it was Oregon. I thought it was Seattle. Oh, maybe it was, because I think we talked about rain. Yeah. But anyways... For a lot of people, it's a lot easier to go back to your home base, mm-hmm. and she chose not to do that because she had a really good opportunity to work with robotics, mm-hmm. and she really, really wanted to do that instead of give up what she felt was her, her dream and her, you know, her perfect job. Yeah. And so in doing that, she she made it so it might be difficult for them to find family and to make family. But she has this, like, wonderfully blended family, which is still growing Mm -hmm. because she's also got Zenny's friends now, not just Reef's family. And so there's a lot that goes into
1: that. What I really liked, too, was we didn't really have any conflict in the way the families are blended families and that they're different races, it, right. You know, there was no point where it was like, well, I can't date him because he's a white man and I'm I'm a black woman and I'm like, you know, race doesn't have anything to do with it. If you love a person, you love a person. And we see that with Rafe's um dad and stepmom because Monica is a black woman and obviously Rafe's dad is a white Bostonian. Like <laughs> that's just slightly how it is. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Slightly like a lot different. But We didn't see anything where race was a big deal. Nobody talked about it, you know. And Sloane didn't really know that, you know, he grew up with um, a black stepmother. And when she meets Monica for the first time, she's kind of, like, excited. She's like, oh, this explains so much more. But at at the same time, they do talk about it a little bit in that, you know, Rave is a white guy. and He can't braid hair to save his life.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. When he's watching the video, he's like, oh because my parts are
1: trash and you're like that is part of the problem then man i loved that i loved that it was good it was cute it
0: was it was nice to see that the concern was something that he could have control over but if you don't know how to do something and you never had it before Mm -hmm. that's one of those things like we've talked about people that have ethnic hair before on our podcast and how difficult that is because there's so many different kinds Mm -hmm. you know and (laughs) And so him not knowing how to deal with the sensitive scalp or the hair of these little tiny black children makes perfect
1: sense. I thought it was adorable. It was so cute. And he tried so hard. And then finally they realized that there's a salon that will charge them next to nothing to wash and style the girl's hair. Like professionally. (laughs) Like professionally done. Because when Rafe comes in, it's hair washing day and the girls are like, tearing up a storm they're screaming they're crying they mm-hmm. it's it's an ordeal sloan comes out and she's soaking wet and she's just like they fought man <laughs> they fought and which like
0: i don't blame them if you have to go through like a very long process of detangling Ugh. hair that is just
1: so easily turned into a nest it's so much i, I don't blame them at all but no. i loved i loved that rafe tried to take the time to learn how to do their hair yeah
0: because that's not something a lot of people do. No.
1: A lot of people just are like, all right, brush your hair, bye. <laughs> like, okay, so. That's it. I had my niece for a week, and mm-hmm. my niece is white and Hispanic. She has the longest, thickest hair I have ever seen in my life. And I was told when I when I got her that I was not allowed to uh, brush her hair unless she actually needed help. She knew how to do it herself. But I wasn't allowed to wash her hair. <laughs> Because the process was so long to wash it, and then brushing it out at the end—I'm talking like you look at her hair and it tangles on its own. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. So I commend Rafe for learning that because I can tell you now, for a week that I had her, there's no way in hell I was touching her head. I just wasn't gonna do it. Just—it's a
0: lot of work when you got a lot of hair, man. Yeah,
1: it was rough. I'm—I don't have a lot of hair. <laughs> so
0: no, but I do. You Let me do. tell you. At some point, I'm pretty sure my mom was just like, "All right, deal with it," because. It got real crazy the older I got. Yeah.
1: But, I, oh, I couldn't handle that at all. Uh, so what's next? Well, one of the things that we
0: kind of hinted at and then we went a completely different direction was talking about even though there wasn't a struggle between or a question about people of different races mm-hmm. or who outwardly appeared different in dating mm-hmm. or getting married or whatever. There were several conversations, not only between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But between Zenny and the other teacher friends and then Rafe's family about, listen, you guys are going to have to think about the dynamic of your relationship because if you're dating her, you have to be dating her. But you also need to make sure that you're not leaving her high and dry and deciding, oh, I'm not a nanny now. Yeah. And that you need to make sure that you're okay with understanding that she's going to make a lot more money than you. And that if you choose to be a stay-at-home dad, like, that's totally fine. But you you have to like knowingly go into that there was, and not feel emasculated.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a a power dynamic that I haven't seen in a romance in a very long time, where yeah. he is you know he got his GED, he didn't go to college. Right. Um, you know, he's got these skills that he could learn. He just has to get certified to do them. You know, he's not going to a vocational school or anything like that. And then there's Sloane. And Sloane is literally, like we've said, she's a child prodigy. She was so, so smart. She was going to college at a really young age. And to see that, you know, there was a couple of times where he didn't think he was worthy of her.
0: Which I think is a really common misconception that if you're a smart person academically, <laughs> That you don't ever want to be around people who aren't also academics. Oh, I wouldn't like that. Let me tell you, having been in classes (laughs) in, like, college where everyone is similarly minded and you're kind of at the same level or the same pace is not very fun. That's why you have friends outside of that, you know? Yeah. And it's one of the things that people do talk about, though. Like, why would you date someone who wasn't as smart as you? And it's like,
1: well, that's not the point. Like... Well, and that's not, that's not the point at all either, because Rafe is not unintelligent. He's, he's a smart man. He just doesn't have the same experiences in regards to his education as Sloan does. Right. And, you know, that's fair, though, to say he's not sure that he's good for her, that, you know, he deserves her in any shape or form. But they have that conversation and he has that conversation with his family and Sloan has her conversation with her friends, you know, and everybody's talking about it. And it's, it's, it's not the forefront of the relationship. It's more can I date my nanny? Is that ethical? Which and and we settled on
0: apparently, yes it is ethical if you can separate work from pleasure. Yeah. And
1: boy do they separate work from pleasure.
0: Yeah, there was just there's so much happening all the time.
1: (laughs) It was good. (laughs) I I also liked
0: how straightforward they were with each other. Like he straight up says to her, I'm attracted to you and I've never worked for a single mother that I was attracted to. So if that's going to be weird, you have to tell me now.
1: Yeah. Like, he flat out tells her. Because that's then she kind of lied. Yeah. She's like, no, it's fine. But, like, it wasn't, it wasn't fine. <laughs> that was when he came over for the day and they went swimming. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, they have those conversations. They were very open with each other. And, I mean, there was only a couple times where the miscommunication didn't, um, you know, it happened. And it didn't get talked about right away. But that's okay. I mean, it happens. You're going to have miscommunication in most romances gonna have miscommunication in life in general, so you know that is very true. Just what it is, that just is. what it is.
0: Yeah. Um, oh God, sorry, just
1: kicking everything. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> um, I'm just I'm trying to think of anything else we may have missed.
1: I think we got it. I mean, he talks to her about, you know, how he feels about her, that he thinks she's hot. And, you know, he gives her time to to think about how she feels. And he gives her space. He gives her space to make that decision on her own without him being all up in her business. And he's just like big, tall ginger man. (laughs) He's really fucking hot. And he was kind and gentle. And he had that moment where he was like, you know, this is up to you. And then she had to make the decision. And she decided, and they fucked, and then, happily ever after, they had a baby together. <laughs> <laughs> they did. You know, they get married, and they have another baby, and the baby's so cute, and he loves the baby so much. It was great. They're just living their best lives. They are. It was good. It was really good. Yeah. I highly recommend you go read Rafe, a buff male nanny. Like, ASAP. Yeah. It was good, so you know. It was good. Uh, so do we want to do ratings? Yeah,
0: we can do our ratings. Let's see. Mmm. I I don't know why I'm so bad about the ratings.
1: (laughs) It's not like our rating scale ever changes or anything. No, one scale of one to five. I'll go first. I gave it a four. Okay. Um, because I liked it. I thought it was really good. There were a couple parts that were a little iffy. Um... But I, I was easy to get over them. It wasn't, like, the worst thing in the entire world. I thought that it was well written. Mm-hmm. Um, I, This is the first Rebecca Weatherspoon that I've ever read, and I was delighted to have done so, because now I'm reading another one, um, and I'm liking it a lot as well. So, the, you know, there, there were those little tiny pieces that I was just like, meh. Nah. I don't need that in my life, but that's just who I am as a person. But I thought that the relationship was really well handled. I thought she did a really good job of the family dynamics between the different families. Um, I liked the romance as a whole. Like that relationship was pretty strong. And I like... The, I liked the characters themselves. Like, she wrote the children really well, because sometimes in a book you can't write children very well. They yeah. kind of suck a lot. But the girls were hilarious, and they're pretty accurate for six-year-olds, which was nice yeah, and refreshing to definitely. see. Yeah, so what do you give it?
0: I'm going to go 4.5. I know. Super high.
1: Yeah, that is high for you. Gosh,
0: have we ever given a 5 to anything? Oh, wait, yeah. We We have
1: given a 5 to so many things.
0: I just don't remember it. Uh, The right (laughs) swipe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a 5. Anyways, I'm going to do 4.5. I definitely enjoyed the characters. I really enjoyed that this was one of the books where we didn't have a miscommunication where... Our protagonist, our heroine, was just like, don't talk to me.
1: Because that drives
0: me fucking crazy. Um, Their issue wasn't actually their issue. It was Drew Mm -hmm. being an issue. Yeah. And being, like, super crazy and manipulative. Um, I think the only thing that maybe detracted from it was... I I felt like there were times where there were so many characters... (laughs) That I was just like, um, Who I don't are you? remember this. Like, when she's talking about, like, her group chat or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't remember any of those women's names at all.
1: I don't and remember. And then the one's
0: crying. And then the one randomly is, like, she's got a mistress or something. They just kind of throw that out there.
1: Yeah, I only remember um, Zenny because she has her own book. It's the next one. Yeah. But all of Rebecca's books are, like, entwined. Yeah. And that was, like, a, the no FBN the end. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. So which means I'm gonna go read more. Sure, yeah. Because that's who I am as a person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh so what are we reading next time? Do you remember? We have two more left that we're supposed to read. We have one more left. Oh, is it the Mia Sosa? Yeah, we're gonna read Mia Sosa's yeah. the best Work" or the worst best man. Yeah. I picked it up and the, <laughs> and the
0: the people at mostly books were like are you in the book club? And I was like, No. she goes, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) But she, you know, I love it. She was
1: like, let me make sure you get your rewards (laughs) points. I was like, thank you. um, I've started it already. Um, Good. I haven't gotten very far in because I am reading that and then I'm also reading Rebecca Weatherspoon's latest that's coming out on the twenty fifth, mm-hmm. a cowboy to remember. Right. So I'm like switching back and forth between the two depending on what time of day it is, um, but I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I think it's pretty funny. There's a couple parts where I'm like, oh shit, she's pretty badass. So yeah, I mean, I'm down for that.
0: I'm down for that. So we're gonna do that. We're doing our hiatus through March. Yeah, we're gonna be on. We got break. Just tons of things happening. It's going to be nice. And then April will be our Bad Romance Month. Y'all be prepared. And we've already picked our books, and we apologize in advance. And we'll explain more about that probably on the next episode when we set up for our hiatus. But just be prepared to cringe. want to put the book down if you're reading it.
1: But don't, because you'll need to know gonna, why we're freaking out. I want you to know that I went to Mostly Books, and I told Trisha what we were doing, and she looked at me, and she says, but why? And my response we have was— mix it up sometimes. Like, we didn't choose Valentine's Day books for February. No, because fuck Valentine's Day. Lonely Drifter Christmas, we don't need you.
0: Aww. I'm going to stay at home in
1: my pajamas and do what I normally do every day. So that's fun fuck valentine's day but yeah so um be on the lookout for that next time you listen we will be discussing the worst best man by mia sosa and then we will talk more about our choices for april and our hiatus in march um feel free to check us out on social media and remember bad bitches only read romance
0: (laughs) bye